Good evening and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Chaparral, C70th Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me usually, of course, Alan Medlock, who's still off doing the coaching thing. I forgot to check and see how the Tulsa Hell Rangers did this week, but I'm sure that they're getting wise and sage advice from Coach Medlock, if nothing else. But joining me tonight in his place, I have the host of the only show, Cardinal Podcast, that's shakier than the RSN rights. It's the guys from talking about birds. I've got Vince Morgan, Nate Heininger. Uh Guys, thanks for joining me tonight. It's always good to be either you with me or me with you. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be back. Thanks for having us. You know, I, I, I what a step down from people who are actually involved in baseball and then you get <laughs> us instead. <laughs> I say, get out of the way, Ben Cerruti. <laughs> I'm taking your place. <laughs> I'm here now. That's right. It's. I, I remember last year we had the run of Ben's. There's a lot uh, of Ben's. Yeah, Hawkman was in that mix, I think, as well. And so, um, you know, there is, it's a, and I've got Godar and Humphreys coming up later. So I, there is going to be at some point in time this massive Ben battle. And <laughs> we'll see which one is left standing. Can't I, come I soon know. enough. It can't come soon enough, in my opinion. <laughs> Gotta thin the herd. That's right. Um, it has been another fun week of baseball, yes. um, at least apparently, because most of these games I have not gotten to see. And I don't think most people have, given the, the way the spring training goes. Um, and there's so many different things to talk about, but there is, we've got to start with the international <laughs> phenom yes. that is Lars Newtbar, folks. Wow. Ben, we'll start with you. How in the world, I mean, I know Lars is great, but how in the world is he like now ruling the world? I, we, you know, we were trying to figure this out the other day. Um, I, well, I think it's, it's first off the guy's just charming, right? Like mm -hmm. he is, he's got like the it factor or whatever. Um, and then I think we, we, you know, we were talking, or, or I, I said this, but we were talking about this. I think really it, it's kind of just circumstantial. I think that he's in a place where no one speaks English. One of the few people around him who speaks English well is happens to be the most famous baseball player in Japan and maybe the world being Shohei Otani. So him just by nature of being in that orbit, I think people are like, Hey, look at this American. He's a great time. Plus he's had four great catches as of this record, a couple of timely hits. The Japanese team is playing super duper well right now. I think like it's all, I mean, or, or I'll take a step back. This guy was in the bigs for two weeks and already had a chant when he was playing home games in St. Louis. There's something about Lars Newpar. People like him. I 
I, I don't know what to say other than just like it factor, charisma, blah, blah, blah. It's it's kind he's, of amazing. He's got a, 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 a very interesting name that's fun to say. That helps. And, that and helps, yeah. I mean, it's everything. It's got He's got all, every piece. And Lars Nubar, star of the Japanese team. Like there's so much stuff that just makes you kind of like turn your head a little bit. And then as soon as you pay attention, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. But I definitely think the performance helps. I think it would maybe be a little bit different if he wasn't also playing really well for that team. But maybe not. I mean, he's definitely a, a charismatic guy. Yeah, I mean, he's already, you know, we saw it today, you know, addressing the team, doing the, you know, pre-game motivational rah-rah speech, um, which I know that he probably learned more from Nolan than Paul Vilchbit. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, you know, he just seems to have, you know, like I said, they're taking, taking the, and to, to see the pepper grinder, you know, being <laughs> done by so Japanese funny. little leaguers yeah. is crazy. I was watching a highlight of Japanese baseball and it cuts to the stands and there's a kid, uh, you know, uh, probably 17, 18 years old, holding up a wooden pepper grinder, yeah. spinning it in the stands. Lars Newbar has been there for one second and people are already <laughs> bringing pepper grinders. It's there's got, yeah. There's got to be a run on. There's been a run on pepper grinders at <laughs> Japanese department stores, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I think it's fascinating because, you know, I, we, I think we talked about this on in the bird scored today. Um, but you know, he was the first American to play for the Japanese team. Right. I mean, he's, right. he's got the history, but he's not a native to play for the national team. So you, I mean, a lot of us, I think if we were in that situation, you just kind of go and you just kind of, you know, absorb it and just kind of stay in the background. Right. And Newt says, Oh no, this is no. the time where I'm putting my stamp on the Japanese yeah. team. Uh, I, the the confidence of the, there's no there's no doubt because when he was drafted yeah it was hey Lars Newbar is a cool name I don't know that a lot of people thought that he would make it as far as he did but the confidence that this guy has I mean he very well may be MVP one of these days and we saw it last year with the Cardinals I mean he mm -hmm. was he got called up and everyone loved the name funny name you know and same thing it kind of makes you take a look like oh interesting interesting person and then. As soon as you start looking, he's having a great time. He immediately is like the golden retriever in the dugout. And it really balanced well with uh, the seriousness of Arenado and, and Goldschmidt and gave this sort of like, you know, combo on, in the Cardinal dugout. He's fits in too with like the goofiness of Wainwright. He like immediately fit in and everyone was drawn to him. And uh, yeah, I definitely would have expected in, in Japan, you know, maybe take a little referential uh, approach, yeah. uh, you know, and, and instead he's like, nope, I, I guess it's it's what got him to the bigs and he's going to do it anywhere, which is, you know, it's that confidence. It's confidence. It's also like he didn't like how his first half went last year and went to work over the break. He didn't like how he ended, even though he was super hot and, and, and performed really well at the end of the uh, uh, big, leasons, big, se big league season <laughs> last year. Um, and still went back, went back to Marucci, went back to Arenado's weird um, warehouse in Southern California where baseball players work out like he just he wants to be great on, on top of it and seems to be like it's it's the pepper grinding thing. He is he is grinding himself into a really good, productive big leaguer. Yeah, which then, of course, you know, poses a question as transition a little bit. 
as we talk about the outfield for this year, right? This is the, co- the question that continues to come up because Jordan Walker has not necessarily stopped hitting. Um, I don't know that he had a home run this week, but he's still hitting like 430 yeah. or whatever. I just saw be. a stat. He's leading all of spring training in basically every single offensive category. <laughs> it, there's, it, it's not even, yeah. it's not like, oh, I've got it. He's right now, at least as of two hours ago, he is first in average slugging OPS total bases hits and extra base hits, uh, leading all of spring training. So he's having a, he's having a good camp. It's doing all right. Yeah. Um, so you know, again, we walk into camp thinking the outfield is Newt Bar, Carlson, O'Neill, and so far with maybe Burleson and you know you've got Yepes in that mix. Although he's probably going to be the DH more. Um, you know, and Walker kind of on the outside looking in, um, has that changed yet? Because I'm still not sure if it has. Uh, (laughs) I'll talk. Yes. Yes. I think so. Um, so like, I have a lot of opinions on this. I think the Cardinals can run a four man outfield very easily. Three of those guys are center fielders. Jordan Walker can probably play center field. Um, maybe at the big league level, I say you run out all four of those guys, Carlson, uh, O'Neill, um, and, uh, Newt and Walker and kind of mix and match the playing time figure, you know, give everybody a day off once a week or something like that. Figure it out. I think what my, well, I think he's, (laughs) he's one of the best players on the team right now. And I think the Cardinals should be motivated to bring him up ASAP because, with the change to the CBA, we know that if you are top three in rookie of the year finishing, you accrue an entire year. So I, the, the most efficient way for the Cardinals to use Jordan Walker is to play him. And he, he like Nate, Nate just rattled off those stats. It's really hard for me to believe that he's not going to be successful. And even if he does come up and take his lumps, I think that he will be a fixture of the big league roster at some point this year. He will be in that rookie of the year uh, conversation. He will accrue an entire year of service time. So use what you got rather than keeping him down for a month. And it's kind of this weird limbo time. It's not necessarily wasted because he's playing, but I say learn at the big leagues. It's, I mean, the kit, like we were talking about, you know, Lars Newbar having the it factor, but Jordan Walker uh, just, radiates star and he his, his approach is incredible the, the way he runs is incredible the way he throws is incredible i i'm all for ship him to st louis as soon as the season starts and i think that's fair obviously and it's very well maybe what they do but i also think about you know just you know two or three years ago we're having the same conversation about dylan carlson right and carlson has not necessarily not that he has had a bad career. Obviously he was in the rookie of the year race that la- in his rookie year and he's had injuries last year. So I'm not, I'm not at all trying to write him off or anything, but the first time he came up, I think they sent him down after a, what two or three weeks or something like that. I yeah. don't know how much they want to do that with Walker. Now they could, I mean, obviously, but I'm yeah. wondering if they would rather give him the, that time because he hasn't even done triple a yet and make sure that he is ready uh, rather than seeing, you know, whatever he's seeing in spring training. Yeah. I think we're, we're both big Carlson believers still too. Um, I think there's a lot of things you can point to, to say that like he absolutely should be the starting center fielder. Um, But I do think there's a little bit difference between the, 
the type of player that Carlson is and what it takes mm-hmm. to be uh, successful consistently at the major league level. He's a guy who is at his peak is going to be like above average at everything, but probably not elite at anything. And so it only takes like a little bit of struggle in one or two of those areas for him to really look like an average player instead of, you know, an above average mm-hmm. player. Whereas Walker seems to be potentially elite in almost everything that he's doing. And so that if he even struggles, it, it he's got the approach, he's got the power, he's got the speed. It's like he doesn't need all of those tools to click to be a successful major league player right out of the gates like someone like a, like a Carlson needs, you know? Um, so I think you're, I say all that to say, I think like the, the risk of bringing up Walker is a lot lower than it was with someone like Carlson. Um, but you know, who knows? And and like, uh, Daniel, you're kind of referencing this, but Carlson's, uh, kind of journey to the big leagues. I, I don't think it can be talked about enough. Like, how odd that was. It was the 2020 season, which was Mm -hmm. weird for a thousand reasons. And then also he kept getting these situations where the bases were loaded and he had a really weird bad bip things happening to him where he just was hitting into trouble. It was just a a weird set of circumstances. He had a pretty solid year in 21, uh, put up three, almost three and a half war. And that was still a weird season because of the late start and every, or, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then was obviously injured last year. So I, I, I agree with what Nate said. It's a it's a different circumstance. And I do think I, I don't know, like Dylan Carlson and Jordan Walker are different enough to me that I'm I'm not thinking along those lines. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I want to say a bit and your latest shells latest show, you pointed out something I hadn't really realized yet is that for the fact that it's Jordan Walker, he has yet to walk this spring. Um, which is, is, wow, um, what a segue. Yeah, I no. think that's still true I, I, also. It is. I just pulled it yeah. up and, and checked. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if that means anything, right? I mean, in spring training, you know, in theory, pitchers are not necessarily nibbling at the corners or anything like that. Um, and it's not that he struck out a lot either. I mean, what, five strikeouts or something of that nature. So I don't know if that means anything. It's just kind of weird. It's probably that if they're not going to bring him up, it, that's going to be their angle that they use unless they just come on and say very honestly, like we've got a full big league team already and, and he'll be up soon enough to, you know, wait for it. But um, I guess you could see a world where if they're trying to do some sort of spin to like, you know, argue why he needs more time in the minors, if they want to say plate approach, uh, you know, I guess you could make that argument, but I think we would all, you know, say that's not, <laughs> not true. And, you know, it's an incredibly small sample size right now. And when you're hitting almost 500, like, when are you even getting a chance at a walk? You know, Fair. he's, he, he's knocking it out of the park before it even gets to a three ball count. So I don't know. It, it, I guess it's maybe a, a sign of a potential problem, but it's not worth it right now. I, I mean, the the walks aren't there, but I don't see him lunging over the plate and swinging and missing at balls. Mm-hmm. He's staying within his zone. Like we, we were talking about the game that happened before we started recording and, you know, Mo- Moses, Moises Gomez, I want him to do well, but the guy's swinging at sliders that are a foot and a half outside the zone. And Jordan Walker just isn't doing that. Um, I guess we'll see over the next few weeks. Maybe pitchers are going to start be a little going to start being a little more afraid of him and we'll see that approach put to the test. But that's that's kind of what I'm seeing, at least. Yeah. And he had a nearly 11 percent walk rate in uh, the minors last year. So, yeah. yeah, I think you can 
feel more comfortable in that over uh you know the the 28 at bats or, or whatever he's had in the mind or in the in spring so far yeah and i will say yeah it's it's not boomer bust he's hitting balls opposite field and things like that he's stealing bases he, i mean he's got everything and he's obviously going to make a ton of room on this roster at some point in time the question is if he's going to do it at the beginning of the year how does he get on the 40 man I've, I think it, it's going to require two things. It, it requires him crushing the ball. So he's doing his part. He's controlling Ooh. what he can control. And then he needs someone uh, ahead of him to either get hurt or struggle. Um, I, I do think that uh, unless this continues through the rest of spring and we go <laughs> and it's like, you know, March 28th. And we're back here saying, yep, Jordan Walker is still leading spring in every single offensive category. Um, unless something like that happens, I think that the Cardinals will feel still pretty justified in saying um, we've got our starting outfield. Walker will be here soon or maybe he'll come in in, in a bench role. But it's not like Carlson isn't. Carlson's also having a good spring. Uh, Yip has is having a good spring. Newt is having the off season of a, of a lifetime. I guess O'Neill is the one question mark, you know? And so maybe that, but he's the one with the best uh, like pedigree and track record, you know? So he's the one you assume would be the most lock. I don't know. Ben clearly looks like he wants to say something. So I'm gonna... <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm too excited to talk baseball today. Sorry. Um, I think I've been thinking about this like specific subject all day. Uh, I was listening to meet me at usual uh, yesterday and the, the conversation you and Ben were, uh, Sarudi were having was making me think about this. I think a trade needs to happen. I think mm-hmm. we've been asking, uh, we, I think we need starting pitchers. Uh, we need somebody who is on uh, a, st- a major league starting pitcher after this season. Um, and I think that there are guys on the 40 man that you could package together and get somebody somewhere, kind of consolidate the talent and go get a starting pitcher. Um, now who that is to what degree, like we could obviously talk about that till we're blue in the face, but I just think we're coming to this roster crunch time where do we need to have Juan Yepes, Moises Gomez, uh, Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Paul DeYoung, all on the same 40-man roster. Ooh. There's To me, there's fat that can be trimmed. There's there's some uh, a trade that could be made. And like I said, if I had it my way, it'd be for a young starting pitcher um, who's maybe playing for a team like the Tigers, and maybe his last name is Scooball, or uh, I, I don't know. It, it could be anyone, but that, that's how I think. Just something out of random. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would solve the problem, or would want the problem to be solved. And I, I think that's absolutely the best way to do it as well, because I don't think there's anybody. I mean, if you want to get into a couple of those, you know, relievers that are on the 40 man that you could, okay, maybe you could cut there. Um, but yeah, I think that's the best way to to do that because none of the, none of the hitters that we're talking about are guys that you just want to put on the waiver wire. Right. I mean, that's just, they're, they're guys that have value to you and to other people. Um, but man, I just don't, I can't think of the time where the Cardinals have made definitely not a significant trade in spring trading. They made the trade oh, a number of years ago for Cedeno, right? What's his name? Uh, the shortstop from the Mets, but they had actually just waived him. Um, and the Cardinals had needed a shortstop because somebody had gotten hurt. Um, that didn't go well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I yeah, can't I think of the time I've done one of those. 
Yeah, and it it is hard because teams are starting to set, right? They're they're Mm -hmm. saying, like, this is what we're going into the year with. I think you also have to take into consideration, I don't know exactly what the timeline is, but Mason Wynn has really, really impressed me. (laughs) And that's another spot on the 40 man that we need to open up. And and that's kind of why I'm thinking of let's move a couple of guys. Let's maybe move an Alec Burleson. There's a clear spot on the 40 man for for Wynn. Uh, <laughs> Booting, yeah. giving uh, Paulie D the old stinky boot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you don't have they don't they're not both on the team. You know, like yeah, at least not. I just don't see how that happens. Where you end up cutting someone else to bring up Mason Wynn, your your new shortstop, and you need to keep Paul DeYoung. Like I know we we everyone rags on Paul DeYoung, and and you know we we jump in on that as well. Um, but I, I just I. Like that's the obvious one. When will be up when DeYoung is done, and maybe that will be not until twenty twenty four. And DeYoung spends the whole year. Uh, it might be uh, in May. <laughs> you know, well, we'll see. I, I mean, you get again there, and I think even differently because than you do with Walker, mm-hmm. the idea of playing time, right? Because Tommy Edmond is probably going to be playing second or short every day, and you get the Donovan, you get the Gorman, you know how much do you want Mason Wynn sitting on the bench? So, I mean, I love, I mean, seriously, I think Mason Wynn has had as much as Jordan Walker has been amazing. Mason Wynn has had the best spring training. I think so too. To comparison to expectations. Yeah. We talked about that last week, like, or this week, whenever it was, all we do is talk (laughs) baseball. It all blurs together. Um, Like I I've been, there are a couple guys that like, obviously Walker's the story and it's fun and he's the elite prospect, but like, win has been more eye-opening it, it it's been incredible uh and then him and donovan sudden power threat brendan donovan <laughs> have been the like you know the more surprising outcomes uh of this spring training so far to me he had another one tonight like, brendan donovan four home runs in, well win well, did as well so did win. yeah win yeah, yeah. Op- opposite yeah opposite field yeah. like he looks like he should be a starter, a, a, a starting shortstop on a competitive team right now. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy to see that because, I mean, not that part, the home runs, because, you know, typically that's not a home run ballpark, right? I mean, right. That, you know, that's the, not the place where you get offense, and that's not been too much of a problem for these guys this, this uh, spring. So It's a fun problem to have. I can't remember the last time that we this style of conversation has happened with the Cardinals. It's always been like, yeah, there's a log jam here. We've got all these uh, two war players that we just don't know which one we're going to put in. And right now it's like, oh, man, what are, where are these? Where are we going to fit these? It seems like superstars. <laughs> where are they going to go? Well, hopefully they do it better than the last time we had this discussion, because last time that we had this discussion, uh, they traded off uh, Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon. Um, so um, I don't know whatever. what you're talking about. That never happened. <laughs> no, uh, granted, you know there was a lot of a lot of arms in the both in in the things yeah. there. I'm not going to relitigate that trade, but um, you do hope that any trade they make works out a little bit better than that. Um, it that doesn't have to. Uh, be a very successful trade for it to work out better than that trade. <laughs> Though yeah. I, I have also agreed. Like I, it was, a, it made a lot of sense at the time, and has mm. just gone gone about as bad as possible. For the for like, we were all happy about it when it happened. So, uh, although I do think that I was listening to the broadcast a little bit tonight, and I do think that they said that the pick they got for Ozuna leaving turned into Tick Hints. So 
there's still a chance to win that trade. There we go. Right? Um, yeah. Because he's been another one that, I mean, that twenty twenty draft. We're going to be talking about it. I mean, it's oh, five players, right? But you know, four of them are probably going to. One's in there. Two are going to be there in the next. You know, this year or next. Hence, is really close behind. And then what? Ian Bedell's had some injury problems, but I think he's still a guy that there's still a lot of hope for too. So if you get everybody in your draft becomes makes a major league debut, even if it's a small draft, that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. one yeah. one of the all timers. Uh, and this this is a great time to say, uh, do whatever you can do to keep Randy Flores. Yeah, uh, and I think that they probably will. will um, and that's the fact. I know y'all talked about it this this um, spring when John Mosellock got the extension and what this means as they tend to start to transition for the future. Um, you know, whether it just means giving everybody more inflated job titles or (laughs) whatever it may be. But yeah, I think that it's been pretty remarkable what, what Randy Flores has done in general. And he, you know, he built off of this, the the tradition that was there beforehand because they obviously had good drafts under a couple of people that are no longer in high reputation. Um, (laughs) But, um, but we're good back then. Right. And um, shrewd so businessmen, shrewd. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not uh, felons. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Um, but so, yeah, it's just to see. And, you know, it's not the only draft he's had. He's had good times and been opportunistic as well. I mean, Jordan Walker fall, fell a little bit uh, and they were smart enough to grab him up. And so, yeah, I think you're right. You've got to keep a guy like that around whatever the cost. Yeah, yeah uh, like d- double general manager. Uh, we've got the double vice president. Just put, you know, <laughs> or like start using like um, fast food adjectives. You know, we, this is our um, supreme general manager. Uh, general manager general, supreme. I think that general will... manager plus. There you, there you go. go. You know, you know, it works for Disney and I, every other streaming yeah. service. I, I can't really remember a time when the Cardinals were this position player rich, not mm-hmm. only in the big league club, but in the minors as well. And that changing of approach that I think Randy Flores is kind of spearheaded is really exciting. Now I'll say that. And at the same time, I'll complain about the fact that we haven't really seen a, uh, like a, a prospect arm develop into the, all that much in, you know, that same time period, but I will take the, Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan and Alec Burrow, all these other guys that we're talking about. It's it's pretty fun to be talking about, oh my God, how do we find enough ABs for Nolan Gorman, who was a, you know, one of the what was he, top twenty prospect in baseball a couple of years ago? So. Yeah. Yeah. Now if you want to throw, you know, a lighted match onto something, you could say <laughs> that that's a uh, testament to the uh organization wide uh revamp that was done under Jeff Albert. Right. Um, I mean, there's at least an argument that you can make. And I, I think I love no, that. We, I we love got it. no C7. We got him. We brought him down. <laughs> All right. We're not going back to that. It, it, so if that's the case, <laughs> um, not the y'all taking him down thing. We but, took um, him down. <laughs> um, the whole organizational thing. It will be very interesting to see if now that it seems like. Dusty Blake is in a situation that's very similar to what that is. Cause I, I don't know that they've been as adamant about him remaking the minors, but you got to feel like that's going to be 
part of his job, right? I, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they learned a lesson and maybe are trying to not advertise things like that as mm-hmm. much so that it doesn't fall. Like John Mosellac knows how us fans are. We're a bunch of crazy people. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing a little bit of protecting of Dusty Blake because it does seem, at least the way that Dusty's talking about it, like a a floor up. We're looking at pitching yep. differently. We're talk where our conversations are differently. We're we're talking very specifically about the future of pitch development. Um, and it would be surprising me to, to me to learn that that is something that's only happening in, with the big league club. Well, they're yeah, building a factory. I, they're finally, um, yeah. they like, you know, spent a, made it a pretty big point in his announcement of his own extension um, that, you know, it's going to give him extra time to commit to projects like that, uh, which he did not have over the past couple of years. Um, we'll yeah. See. I mean, it was a question that I asked him this year at, at blogger day about how, you know, at the time of his last extension or well, less the extension, the more of the, the bump to president of baseball operations, the mm-hmm. idea was he would be a big picture guy and, Gersh would be the day-to-day guy. And of course there'd be some Who? transition time. Yeah. This other guy, they got a guy, Gersh, Michael Gersh. Gersh. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I know. Uh, it's, it's not that important. And I know Mazalak. <laughs> I, this Gersh guy, I've not, I've not seen him. But, um, and I asked him, I said, is this transition work the way he said? And he said, you know, they were kind of working on that until COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And once COVID hit and all the stuff that went along with that, you know, especially when it hit the Cardinals and the organization, you know, he just didn't feel like he could turn that over to anybody that he right. felt like he was responsible for that. And so that transition has not gone as well. I'm, I'm very interested. I think that's what they're going to try to do here in this next three years is get him thinking. Yeah. Big picture, uh, you know, the pitching lab finally giving online after six or seven years yeah. of them working on that, uh, you know, hitting all that kind of stuff. It's going to be very interesting. I don't know if I'm Gersh, I'm like, Hey buddy, take your time. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cozy being the gm of a team uh that you know uh, we're doing well i'll just you tell me what to do boss (laughs) nobody is calling for my job that's fine yeah exactly (laughs) it's uh me um so what else are you seeing that's interesting to you in the spring we haven't really you know we've kind of hit a lot on the the hitting side of things it and for me as i ask you the question and then ignore you um Wilson Contreras has not made as much has not been as much in the news as I expected. Yeah. You know, I don't I guess probably because of Jordan Walker and others that are exciting, but I guess that also is a sign that he's kind of really fitting in. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think he clearly has he's either a natural at handling media or he mm-hmm. has a very good PR team behind him because yeah. I think he's he's done and said everything right this off season. I mean, what, what was just like two weeks ago? He said the Cardinal organization is better than the Cubs. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, like every other player would be like, Oh, you know, I love my time with the Cubs. I'm ready to start a new chapter of my life. Da, da, da. And he's just like, this is a better organization, so, <laughs> which is hilarious. He, he, he clearly, it matters to him that Cardinal fans like him and, uh, he's willing to sacrifice everything behind him to make Colonel fans like him. But from a performance standpoint, you know, they made a big deal about him skipping the world baseball classic in order to become a part of the team, get to know the guys and build those connections with the pitching staff in particular, but you know, just the whole team uh, more broadly. And I kind of am taking that, that quietness from him and from the, from the media around him to say like, that's what he's doing. And there had, 
there haven't been any problems. It seems to be going well. He hasn't necessarily had like a, a crazy spring from a performance standpoint, but you know, it's not been a lot of games either. And you could also understand if maybe his head right now is on game planning with his new pitchers and less about his offensive approach. He's one of the guys I'm least worried about his offensive approach going into this year. You know, he's got a, a good track record. So I kind of take the silence or the, it's not even silence, just like the lack of buzz as a, mm-hmm. as probably a good thing. I don't think he needs everybody in, in his face right now. Yeah. You know, there, the criticism that has the, the, you know, he, he said his nice things about the Cardinals and you've kind of heard some background stuff about, Oh, well the Cubs didn't like this about him or they didn't like that about him. Um, and I think really what it comes down to is like, if you're going to be a good hitting catcher, you really have to work on your hitting and you can't work on your, your catching and receiving as much. And the way I'm kind of perceiving it is that I think Ali and, and Mo and everyone are fine with that, but here you need to work on your uh your pitch framing a little bit here are some little things that cardinal catchers do that you need to learn and i think like nate was saying like i think he's just doing the work he, he's got a ton of homework to catch up on mm-hmm. he's doing that um and and, and yeah I, i'm not worried about it i think it's going smoothly i uh i i I will be very curious to see if he's a little more quiet and soft behind the plate. I, I don't know. My expectations are that he's not going to be right. He's just going to be a, he can catch a little bit. He can absolutely throw and he can absolutely hit. And that's fine. Uh, you know, I, I think Cardinals fans are adjusting to our production from the catcher position is going to be an entirely different shape than it was for 20 years. Um, we don't need him to be the best receiver of all time, but uh, I, yeah, I'm definitely I wish we got to see him start a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, I think they have to audition a backup because I, I bet if you gave Ali truth serum, he would say he doesn't want kids there to be back there. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I know that Ben has uh, Andrew Kisner's bags packed and is driving to him to the airport. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> but um, and that's and that's a possibility. I mean, I think that it does seem to be, you know, they've talked about competition, that it actually means something. And I think that's very, it's fair, right? I mean, there are a couple of guys. It still would be a little bit surprising for the Cardinals to just, but I think Kisner may have still have an option. So they could probably send him to Memphis. I'd have to double check that. Um but, you know, that's facts. We don't need to worry about those. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's possible. Uh, then again, you know, unless it's Ivan Herrera taking his job, which doesn't seem to be the case this spring either, then you've got another 40-man <laughs> situation yeah. to deal with. Um, so, you know, perhaps that is something to work out. Yeah, Contreras has 13 at-bats. I mean, Jordan Walker has you know almost 20 more than that. You know, but I think, Nate, I think you've got a good point that he's probably spending a lot more time on the backfields and just just figuring this catching thing out and knowing that the hitting will eventually come along. Yeah, I have a hard time imagining Kisner uh, not being the backup catcher, but still being on the 40 man. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you what are you carrying him for? But. I, I I hate to say he seems like a great guy, but I just don't know what he's done to, you know, d- to set himself up to be the presumptive uh, backup, especially when we're expecting that backup to probably start 40 games this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, we he got a good run last year at at really running away with that 
that uh, position. And you know, he's he's a fine defensive player, but the, but is he? fine as a you know as a right down the middle <laughs> uh adjective you know right. um i don't know i i i'm like just let let's just get someone else back there you know let's have trace seems good jimmy crooks get him back there <laughs> sure <laughs> Name Let's out of a hat. Everybody up from the low minor. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, the, way that, that's the Cardinal way. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be, I mean, it's just going to be kind of interesting to see how that works yeah. out. And maybe that's, you know, I, it feels like a young catcher still has some value, even if he hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily shown it. So maybe that's one of those things where, you know, if they do some sort of huge package deal and they throw in every little extra piece that they have, that Kisner is one of them. Um, and you know, I don't know what the value would be out there, but maybe that's the yeah. case. And, you know, uh, but I have trouble believing that the card, like I said, he, he may have options and send him down, but I have trouble believing that the Cardinals would just release a guy that still has, yeah. you know, if nothing else cost certainty. Yeah, that's fair. And I, you, they could maybe put him on waivers to clear a spot and he would just pass right through too. And, mm-hmm. and you'd keep him. I think every yeah. organization has a couple guys like Kisner in it. Yeah, it's possible. Um, let's go to the pitching side of things. Um, we've seen good things out of Jack Flaherty. Pretty good outing tonight out of jo- uh, Jordan Montgomery. Um, you know, the starting rotation still doesn't seem like it's this overbearing, you know, dominant force, but it's still showing that it looks like it can keep people in games. Is that yeah. kind of what you're thinking on this? it's the gamble the Cardinals are taking. And, and as long as everyone is healthy, I, you know, it, it should be fine. Like there's no holes in the rotation, but there's also no, at least unless Flaherty really steps it up or, or Montgomery Ooh. takes a step forward. Um, there's also nothing at the top of the rotation. You know, we're going in with like, I don't know, two number twos, two number threes and a number four, you know, and, and with a stellar offense uh, that can get it done. And what looks like maybe a stellar bullpen as well. Like you can see why that recipe would work. Um, And so I don't have any concerns about the guys that are on the, that are the presumptive rotation right now. In fact, I'm excited for some of them. I'm really excited to hopefully get a real season of mats. Like we, mm-hmm. we think that was a good signing and it was a, a normal in an injury and a freak injury. And like, let's see a full year of him. And we're hyped on Flaherty and, and Montgomery and Michaelis and Wayno should be, you know, effective. And it, that that's not the problem. The problem is, is that we all know they're not going to start 30 starts each. Right. Mm-hmm. And it is actually a good chance most of that rotation spends time on the on the IL this year and it just starts to collapse really quickly after that. It's exactly what we saw in 2022, exactly what we saw in 2021. Um, you know, going into both of those seasons, everyone was like, We don't have enough starting rotation depth. We don't have enough rotation depth. Sure enough, exactly what everyone expected. Mid season, we have to go out and get your Lester's and your Quintana's and your Monty's. And while those worked, I don't know. I mean, Ben has said, you know, that maybe is just their strategy. You know, you, you hope it works. And if it doesn't, 
pick up the trash heap and see what you can save or maybe 2022 wasn't really trash heap. Monty and Quintana were, mm-hmm. were good pitchers, but yeah. still like they're not going and getting frontline guys. They're going and getting midline guys to just keep stacking that like mid-level rotation. Yeah. And, and I think th- there's some sense to it. It, it is devaluing the starting pitcher because what happens to all starting pitchers, they break down. The good ones are extremely expensive. Even if they're fragile, look at how much money Jacob deGrom got this off season, uh, which I think he was even shocked by. Um, but so I think it makes some sense to organizationally just kind of devalue this position a little bit. And it would work if guys like Dakota Hudson, Matthew Liberatore, Jake Woodford, uh, Connor Thomas, we have a lot of names I could keep listing off. Andre Pallante can come in and spot start and keep you afloat. And the problem the last two years is either the Cardinals have not had faith in those guys, those names that I just dropped, or those guys have shown poor performance or, or some combination. But yeah, I think like you know, you'd, you'd be a little foolhardy to say, I think Jack Flaherty is going to give us 180 innings or mm-hmm. Steven Matz or Adam Wainwright, or, or really most of the starting rotation. Um, but that's fine if those guys can play up or if you can s- scoop up another Quintana at the end of the season. I, I think it's an interesting strategy. I think it's a frustrating one, especially we know how well the Cardinals do uh, financially and they could flex a little more muscle and it's probably be a good point uh, for them to invest in. But it's worked. They keep winning the division. That's you know, I think clear that's what the the Cardinals are trying to do is win the division and, you know, they're getting positive feedback. So what, what else is there to say? Well, and and then we look this week at, you know, pitchers that we all had been very advocating. (laughs) I don't know uh, what you mean, Daniel, we never said the Cardinals should sign Carlos Rodon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was no, no, but you were big on the Carl, uh, Jose Quintana thing. So that's what I'm going for. Obviously you never said anything about Rodon (laughs) and and Frankie Montas. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think there was a little bit more division about Montas uh, when they were trying to, cause you know, he was a little bit, shaky beforehand yeah i was i really was not ever big on that trade uh and i was kind of glad they didn't but i was with i mean i was on the rondon especially uh yeah bandwagon this because he was that ace that you think you need um and then now to not you know who knows how long he's out yeah who knows it it could be just a couple weeks and maybe he misses opening day or something like that it may not be a serious thing could be that he'll never pitch again. I mean, you just <laughs> never know. Yeah. I mean, it's somewhere in between. Um, so, but you know, that is the problem, right? Because if the Cardinals put all their money in one pot and that pot starts leaking, um, they don't necessarily have the problems, you know, the ability to, to fix that as well as they do when they go out and get a, you know, bargain basement kind of guy. Yeah, I will say I'm I am still uh, very hopeful about Matthew Libertor. Like, I I think he had kind of similar to what Ben was saying before with uh, with like Carlson. You know, it, he I, it never really felt like last year he got a good shot at at establishing himself as as a major league starter. It it was really inconsistent with his starts. He was not necessarily incredibly effective but you know he he's got the stuff he's been very successful in the minors it was going into last year he was considered one of the best left-handed 
pitching prospects in baseball. And he still shows up on a lot of lists. Um, mm-hmm. So it does feel crazy to like write him off already, which it does feel like some people have been doing. So there's still some interesting depth pieces there. And then we're not that far away from probably a Gordon Graceffo and uh, Cooper Jerpy, um, you know, guys like that coming in. And so there's a world where a lot of these younger guys break right. And it, we actually end up with, you know, a pretty good rotation of uh, mostly young Cardinal, uh, like Cardinal draftees. But again, that's just such a risk. You know, there, there's a, the adage, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect for a reason, right? It, it, mm-hmm. it rarely works out the way you want it to. And it feels like a big gamble to go to gamble on all of those guys, uh, even making it to the majors successfully, let alone being consistently successful. Except for T. Kins, who is uh, <laughs> going to be incredible. <laughs> of course. Um, I guess maybe the one that surprised me some, the most this spring is Jake Woodford. Yeah. Um, nine innings, just one run. Um, you know, again, that's nine innings. But it's still, he's looked better. And he looked better at the end of the second half of last year anyway. Um, it feels to me, whether the organization does it or not because with the organization kind of was a little bit weird with him last year um that he's the sixth man right now instead of dakota hudson yeah um who is still dakota hudson yeah so um i mean ben what do you think is that is that fair to say that you you've got woodford as your sixth man i I think you have to say that and i think it's more Dakota Hudson's inability to stay in the zone consistently than it is Jake Woodford, you know, I think impressing folks too much. Cause I've been impressed by a lot of folks. And I, I think Jake Woodford is, it's steady Eddie. Like he's, he's doing his thing. I think the slider looks a little bit better than it did last year. Um, the fastball's always been fine. Uh, I think that Dakota Hudson, like comparing the two guys has better stuff. I think that that power sinker when it's working and when he can get it in the zone is clearly extremely effective and fits exactly what the Cardinals are trying to do. But I, we saw him in a start the other day. I think he walked three or four guys in a couple innings. He, he just, he, he had that season where it all looked like it was coming together and it just has never looked the same. And it, like I said, just, comes down to missing the zone. If you're missing with your A pitch constantly, you can't be an effective big leaguer. And from a viewing point of view, oh my God, is it painful to watch? It's just a slog. Um, So yeah, I think so. And I think like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Jake Woodford. He's an effective uh, big league pitcher and a six starter is probably exactly where he is. Um, But I can't, Think about that with also without also being a little annoyed and frustrated with our buddy Dak Hud just not getting it done. I think the real problem is Jake Woodford clearly like hit on Mazalak's wife, or <laughs> Nate's got a theory or, or something because I he's been good. You know, it, it the 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 usage of him has been very strange to me. Um, so I'm assuming there's some personal beef going on here and we know Bill DeWitt loves beef. Um, but <laughs> in this case, <laughs> not the guy. Getting the Arby's reference. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. 
classic talking about birds right there. I know I'm obsessed so. with the Arby's thing. It it cracks me up so much. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it's very interesting. I, and again, it's it would be nice if we weren't having this discussion about the sixth or seventh starter, knowing that they were going to make such an impact this year. Um, but instead of, I mean, they're going to, uh, unless something strange happens, unless a trade happens or, you know, I do think that I feel better this year than maybe last or the year before that if the Cardinals hit a patch in May, that Woodford, Hudson, Libertor can get them through it a little bit better than we saw last year where the starters didn't go deep, the bullpen started getting worn out, and there were some really ugly games until, you know, basically around the tread down on. It was bad. I mean, it was a total collapse, right? I mean, the Cardinals were already not the the favorites to to win the Central, and then all that happened, and and Pools had not suddenly become 26 again, <laughs> and, you know, it's like it was the darkest part of the season. It was June, yeah. right? Everything was just collapsing, and it was like, are we even going to be above 500? I think what makes me feel better about this entire situation is Jordan Montgomery, the, his presence, having him for an entire season. He's a bit of a rock. Like we were talking about the Cardinals don't really have a number one. He's probably, I would, I would, Oh, I'd place a small wager that Jordan Montgomery is going to be the most valuable pitcher for the Cardinals this year, not because of dominance, but just because of racking up innings, going long, having a decent strikeout rate and a nice low uh, three ERA. Um, And him being there makes me feel better about everything. It makes me feel better about Wayno coming into camp with a little lower velo or some of these other guys, potential injury history and, and what might happen. Um, we, we have this Jordan Montgomery blanket to kind of wrap around us and make us feel all warm and fuzzy. Um, okay. Two guys I want to talk about briefly. And then Nate says he brought a game. Um, <laughs> oh no. Which if you, I didn't know if this. You haven't, yeah. Yeah. If you don't listen to talking about birds, which you should, uh, they always play stupid games at the end of it. So, uh, and la- every time I go on, I, you know, make them look silly when the yeah. questions I ask them. So our show's not um, good. So we have to rely on gimmicks in order to try to make it enjoyable. So we, uh, you know, no, it is. Don't tell them it's bad. <laughs> it's good guys. Every, you should listen to it. It's good. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, if it's gimmicks, people are interested in gimmicks. So, I mean, yeah, one we, way or another, we're, we're, you know, giving away bobbleheads and, you know, uh, stuff like that. Get them yeah, in the yeah. ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, two guys that I, one we have briefly touched on, but I have not gotten to see much, and maybe I'll have I, Paul DeYoung, still Pauly D. I watched him tonight. He didn't get any hits. He also didn't strike out in, in situations that I feel like in the past he would have struck it, struck him out in. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there any hope for DeYoung and Ben's already shaking his head. So I think we have the answer here. I'll go quickly. Uh, No, I don't think so. I don't think it's a swing change thing. I don't think it's where he stands in the box. I think it's a mental thing. I don't think the approach is good Uh, until that changes. I don't think he's going to be effective. Um, And uh, I I would rather have Brendan Donovan backing up shortstop um, because at least he brings some value to the table. Um, that, that's my two cents. Yeah. I, how, like, 
how many times are we going to do this? You know, yeah. um, it just doesn't, you know, even if he was crushing in spring, I'd still feel probably the same way. I do think it's interesting that he's not getting a ton of at bats. Uh, that's, that's the thing that stuck out to me too. Yeah. I mean, I know part of it was he had the arm issues yeah. that he couldn't play the field, but still I we thought, okay, let's put him at DH so we can see if this swing change is working. And, you know, he's gone a significant long time. Uh, let me see real quick. Uh, I don't know if I can find it fast enough, but he's only got like, what, 10 at bats or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah. Ten, oh, exactly. 10 at bats. Man, look at me. I'm nailed there. it. Yeah. Um, they're treating him so, like someone who's not going to be on the big league roster, but <laughs> we all know he will be. Yeah, the nine million dollars or whatever that he is owed makes yeah. a, a pretty good case that he will be. Is it um, worth pointing out that he has a over one thousand OPS in those ten at bats, or is that just uh, annoying? <laughs> I mean, a home run does that. And, I mean, yeah. the fact that he had a home run in spring is yeah. is more than I necessarily thought. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. I still don't. I don't know. I, it is weird. hard. Yeah, it is. Yes, and speaking okay, so the other person that I've been kind of trying to keep an eye on this spring is Jordan Hicks. Um again, so small sample size, like two in and two thirds innings. But you know, he's had two or three rough outings. Um, any concern there at all, or do you think this is just okay, he'll be pretty much back to normal once the once the bell rings? Um, I'm not worried yet. He he has such a extreme pitching style, and he throws so hard that I'm not too surprised that maybe his first couple innings of camp, he's not locked in. Because we'd see him get not locked in in the middle of the season, too. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, but no, I, I'm not really concerned. I think that it the heat plays, and you know he's maybe not... He he's not going to be the best reliever on the team, but I think he will be good because he throws 105 and it's <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, I um I have so I have a lot of feelings about Jordan Hicks. I it's so hard for me to not think that the Cardinals maybe dropped the ball on his development path. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. in thinking about Jordan Hicks is 26 years old now. Uh, Jordan Hicks is about to become a free agent and he has pitched. uh, It's got to be under 200 innings in the big leagues. um, And it's just never really come together in the way that we wanted it to. I I don't know what to think about Jordan Hicks because he has as much talent as anyone in baseball period. Like he's just a freak and it's, it's unbelievable what he can do. Um, He can't control his pitches. Uh, he can't stay consistent. Um, he overthrows. Uh, but like Nate said, 105 with downward run plays, plays. <laughs> and people can't really make much good contact with it. And if he's healthy, he's going to be effective. I, I feel confident in that. Um, but I don't think Hicks is going to become the lockdown closer or the multi-inning relief ace or any fun little uh, kind of assignment like that with the Cardinals anymore. I, I think that that ship has sailed um, and that bums me out, I guess is, is what I'll, I'll finish my thought on, but it's, 
it's kind of too bad, but I, I think he'll be okay. But he's not, like I said, he's just not going to be great. And that's, that's too bad. Not a bad guess. 177.2 innings in his career. <laughs> that, um, man. So, of course, that's not in a game. Um, so, uh, you know. <laughs> damn it. Um, well, he but, did go you know, over. So, if we were playing a true. game, it might have, you know, fair. Uh, yeah. the right rules. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think that you're right. If he doesn't, if he's not the multi-inning guy and if he's not the closer guy, then there's an argument, you know, do the Cardinals spend the money to keep him? Um, you know, is it worth spending what he might get on the free agent market for a guy that, you know, maybe it's your seventh inning, seventh inning guy. But like, what does he get on the free agent market? I don't know. Alex Ray has barely got picked up by the Dodgers, which we're both convinced that's going to yeah. go extremely bad for the rest of the league. Yeah. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be stupid how good yeah. he's going to be on the on the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I and his, I think his, uh, and I think the comparison to Alex Reyes is is fair, but also you know Reyes missed all of last year. Yeah. Injured, he only had you know like half a half a good year in the last four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hicks is also young enough that people will say, look, we can, we can unlock that. We yeah. can get the, you know, we can make the mechanical change. We can make whatever and he's throwing 105. So, um, and he's not been consistently injured. I mean, he had the trouble coming back from the Tommy John, but he also stayed out because of COVID and his diabetes. So, you know, I, I think that he'll do better than Reyes, but yeah, he's not necessarily going to break the bank or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would like for the Cardinals to keep him around, but I could also mm. understand why they might say, uh, you know, good luck. Thanks yeah. for all the fish. Yeah. I, <laughs> I do wish we could hit the reset button on him and, and maybe go to the dusty Blake pitching factory and, and yeah. restart the to- the, his, uh, mm. his, uh, uh, rookie contract clock and all that. Cause it kind of all just, you, you look up all of a sudden and he's, he's a free agent and you feel like, the like, Cardinals damn. just didn't do anything yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I think it yeah. was when we came on this show around this time last year. Um, I know I was really big time beating the drum on the Jordan Hicks as a starter. Mm-hmm. And and then it happened. And then it just but we we never really got it. You know, we never really got to see uh and partly because of his performance, partly because of other factors, but like it, it ended up feeling like it it messed up the full year for yeah. him. Yeah, the alternate universe where he, you know, worked his way up the and became a starter, you know, after two or three years of minor league development would be an interesting one to watch. Um, you know, you know, that said, he made it to the major leagues. He's going to have six years in the big leagues, if nothing else. Um, and there's no guarantee that, you know, getting hurt in the minors wouldn't have derailed that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, you never know. But it it is a, a really interesting what if kind of situation speaking of what if what if i didn't play the game but no we're <laughs> going to we won't let nate to do his thing uh, um and so i will turn it over to nate to right. play card sharks or <laughs> who knows no what. i got i got so i was sitting here thinking I wanted to bring a game What Daniel, whenever you come on our show, you bring a game to us and it's always appreciated. So I thought I'm going to return the favor. I want to bring something to the show. This I normally don't bring much to these shows. So I thought <laughs> at least in this regard, I can bring something to the table. So I started thinking like, what do I know about Daniel? Um, 
Well, he's an international man of mystery. There's not a lot to be known about Daniel. But one thing I do know, he loves Star Wars. And we played a game on our on our show inspired by you. Uh, (laughs) And I've decided to bring it back this (laughs) this week on your show. You love Star Wars. Ben has watched every piece of visual media that's ever existed. So he (laughs) has a wealth of knowledge. I'm going to put the two of you to the test in a little game I call Star War or Ball Star. (laughs) Here's how this you do. (laughs) Here's how this game works. I have a list of names. Those names are either real people who have played for the St. Louis Cardinals or are characters in the Star Wars universe. Okay. So I have pulled this. Uh, I use the uh, Wikipedia articles that basically give me full list of every character from Star Wars or everybody that's ever played for the St. Louis Cardinals. So that's my source here. Uh, the list includes, from a Star Wars perspective, like everything. Uh, so it's pretty expansive. Um, so I'm going to no go down. Deal. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go down. I, I think we'll start with Daniel. And I'm going to say a name and Daniel, you say either they are a star war or they are a ball star and uh, see who gets the most right. Any questions about the rules? (laughs) No. About the rules? No. About the wisdom of this? Okay. Okay. Daniel, first one, Odie Abbott. Um, well, you're doing pretty good there to start off. Um, I am going to say ball star. (laughs) You got it. Odie Abbott was an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals in 1910. Wow. Wow. His, you know, the other guy playing was Garfield. (laughs) Um, all right. Ben. High Jasper. High Jasper. Uh, I'm going to go. I don't know this one, but I'm going to say that's a star. Star Star War. There we go. Ben, that is incorrect. High uh, Jasper was a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals in 1916. His first name was High? High. Wow. H-I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everywhere he went, people were saying his name. <laughs> yeah. it had to be annoying. It's like the first name guy. Um, all right, Dan, you've got a commanding lead to start the game. Uh, Daniel, coming back to you. Eno Cordova. I feel like that's Star Wars, although I really would feel better if I could place it, but that's what I'm going to say. That is correct. Eno Cordova is a Jedi Master, presumed survivor of Order 66, and former mentor of Seer Dunda, an owner of BD-1. Oh, I, yeah, I knew that. So that's wow. going with Fallen Order stuff. <laughs> I haven't actually played the game. Okay. All right. Ben. Sly Moore. Sly. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm gonna go Ball Star, Slymore, Ball Star, Ball Star. Fan, uh, that is incorrect. Slymore oh is an Umbaran personal aide of Palpatine and one uh, of the few people aware of his identity as Darth Sidious. Daniel, sound like you knew that one. The white ball chick that you see with Palpatine in oh. the, the yeah, that's her. So her yeah. name's really just Sly, not something short for Sylvester, which is what I okay. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, I've already lost track of score. I've got Daniel, you've got two. You've gotten got both none. of yours. Yeah. And yeah, you've got, got none. none. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, Daniel. Carson Tiva. Oh, that's a Star Wars. That's the uh, Mandalorian. Uh, well, it's the guy in the Mandalorian, the New Republic uh, starfighter. Usually flies around with Dave Filoni's character. Oh, that. You nailed it on multiple levels. Uh, <laughs> yes, he is a captain in the New Republic Starfighter Corps from Alderaan, who rescues the Mandalorian from a swarm of ice spiders. Oh, great episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, Ben. Joel Youngblood. Joel Youngblood. Man, that is a good choice for this game. Um, I'm going to say Ball Star. Ben's on the board. Joel Youngblood was an outfielder slash third baseman for the Cardinals in 1977. Hey. Okay. So if I'm right, the the claim to fame for Joel Youngblood has nothing to do with the Cardinals, but he played a game in the on the East Coast and got a hit then was traded to a West Coast team, jumped on a plane, flew to that game, and got a hit in that game as well. <laughs> so his name was familiar to me too, but I loved Youngblood as a Star Wars last yeah, name. it's very so, good. Um, yeah, you're right, Daniel. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you got a hit off of Craig Swan and Fergie Jenkins. Oh, hey. There you go. Yeah. That's so funny. All right. Uh, Daniel crushing this game, getting facts on all of the players. All right. We got a lead of three to one. Daniel. Rush Clovis. Um, Star Wars. The um, the guy that was Padme's old boyfriend um, that Anakin almost choked. Um, part of the blanking clan. Clone Wars guy. That's right, absolutely correct. Uh, although you said Star Wars and the correct answer is Star War. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Now, Rush Clovis is a separatist senator who represents the planet uh, Scipio in the Galactic Senate, as well as a former love interest of Padme Amidala. Ooh la la. Wow. All right. Ben. Corky Withrow. <laughs> Corky Withrow. Uh, great name that uh, I don't know any of these names. I'm terrible. Uh, it sounds like an old timey baseball name. I'm going to go with ball star. You got it. Corky Withrow was an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals in 1964. Wow. Not even that old. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, Corky Miller played for the Mets. Or yeah, Reds not terribly yeah. long ago. Yeah. So. Corky Romano, famous, uh, Chris Catan character. <laughs> Good pull. Thank you. You guys want some cookies? All right. Uh, Daniel Coker triplet. Mm. 
I feel like I'm going to miss this one. Well, with that I attitude, say Ball Star. Daniel, you got it. Coker Triplet was an outfielder for the Cardinals from 1941 to 1943. Triplet. How many triples did he have? Uh, well, that's a wonderful question that I should have had prepared. I will tell you that there are two T's at the end of his name, so that's kind of fun. Um, let me see. If I'll find. I'll find that after. We, I only got two more here, so okay. Um, I'll look it up while Ben's. All right, Daniel, guessing. you have a you have a commanding lead, uh, but Ben can at least try to save face a little bit here with uh, the last one coming to you, Ben. Max Rebo. Oh, Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, Max Rebo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Max Rebo is an Ortolan keyboard player and leader of the Max Rebo band. One of the best bands in the galaxy. That's right. 14 triples, by the way. Nice. That's actually, that's a lot. I really didn't. Played for six years. I mean, you know, it's not bad. All right. Daniel, I saved the hardest one for last. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh I think I'll say Star War. There you go. All right. But did you just uh, give up on that one? Come on. <laughs> I, just thought it, I just thought it'd be funny, man. <laughs> All right. Daniel's favorite um, character. Yeah. Yeah. D- Daniel, you ever see the 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 dark Jar Jar story mm-hmm. or the like uh, the Sith Lord Jar Jar? Fan, yeah, theory? fan theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it would have been very interesting had Lucas <laughs> gone that route. Um, I don't think that was ever the intent, but no. it would have been it would have made that character different. <laughs> as as, uh, as a fan of people making chaos choices, I wish that that would have been the the outcome. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, Jar Jar gets a little, little too much. I mean, it's not a great character, but <laughs> but, uh, but he steps in what poopy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <sighs> more George Lucas than you know the fact that it was a fully you know fully CGI for character. One of the first ones, yeah. really. That you know, um, and the the abuse that Ahmad Best got was terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so never forget. Well, thank you both for playing uh, this version, this round of Star War or Ball Star. Uh, thank yes. you for humoring me, Daniel. Congratulations. I don't know if you feel good about the win or not, but you won. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Um, you know, but uh, I don't know about feeling good. Sure. Um, it's okay because nobody stuck around for that anyway. But anyway, if you are still with us, though, I do appreciate these guys joining me. Um, I look forward to doing it again uh, soon. Obviously, talk about birds. Ben, where can we find you? Yeah, uh, I'll quick time for plugs. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. You can follow us on Instagram at Talking About Birds. Uh, we have a TikTok now. Good luck finding that. Um, but yeah, really just uh, listen to that podcast on your podcast app or Spotify or, or whatever and, and uh, hit us up. Yeah, um, I think that's all we got. Yeah, I mean, congratulations, these guys. And, and if you don't know, these guys did the show a while back. Life happened. They brought it back, which is not something that happens in podcast world very often. <laughs> like, most fair, you know, once a thing's dead, it's usually dead. These guys brought it back and have done it now, what, 53 shows in a row what, every week for, you know, a year plus now, yeah. uh, which is a lot of dedication and, you know, always, a, always fun to listen to. 
um slightly off kilter at times but <laughs> it's you know what, whatever at, do you uh, mean yeah i don't yell at my podcasting uh platform too much when i'm listening to the show so um so if you're not listening to these guys you really should give them a listen it's uh gonna be a lot of fun as, as the season goes on yeah and thank you for having us it's it's always a blast and and having you on our show is always a treat so yeah, uh absolutely yeah. And we still have to do that again sometime because I still have manager questions to ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't we'll wait have, for that. You know, Yay. Yeah. <laughs> you can embarrass us further. Um, so uh, join us next week. I believe, oh boy, I forgot to look at my list again. But I think Richard McGill from um, playing the new Playing Catch podcast is going to cool. join us next week. So uh, look forward to that. Um, but until then, for Ben and Nate, I'm Daniel. Good night. They just won't go away.